I want to bring a message this morning entitled Forever Thankful or Eternally Grateful. Whichever title you'd like to write down for that means the same thing. Look with me, Psalm 103, let's start reading verse 1. And many of you are probably familiar with this. This is one of my favorite psalms. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is rewarded or renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far, now look at verse 12, and we'll stop here. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Father, we praise You for the power of Your Word. We thank You for this time. And I pray that we would listen very attentively this morning to what You have to say to us through Your Word. We would learn that we are to be thankful, we're to be grateful, we're to be eternally thankful for not just what You've done, but Father, who You are, where You are, and what You've done. In Christ's name, Amen. Now, of course, uh, this last week, Thursday being Thanksgiving Day, I felt led to bring a message on being thankful. <clears throat> now, in the history of our country, I guess ever since before we actually became a country, back in 1621 when the Pilgrims had the first Thanksgiving meal with the Indians, and then in 1863 when uh, President Lincoln declared Thanksgiving a national holiday, it's been a vital part of our national life, of our culture. And i got to tell you, there's one thing I've always wondered. Why is it that atheists, they don't seem to attack, I guess maybe they are nowadays a little bit, but they don't seem to attack Thanksgiving like they attack everything else. And to me, I would think that Thanksgiving would be one of those holidays if I was an atheist that I would want to attack. Because it's that day when we want to shift our attention and our focus on our gratitude and thanksgiving to God for His blessings. Now... I guess some of the, the most miserable times for an atheist, in my mind, would be when they just, their heart's full of gratitude and they got nobody to say thank you to. I mean, I'm grateful for a Thanksgiving day, are you? But I'm going to tell you, it needs to be more than just that one day a year. Thanksgiving is to be an attitude of our heart. Gratitude and thanksgiving to God, folks, is an important exercise. It's something that we all need to do and we all need to do every day. Again, not just one day a year, but every day of our lives. We ought to have that attitude in our heart of gratitude to God. I want you to do something. you got your Bible open to Psalm 103. Turn back a page to Psalm 100. And look at verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and in his court, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. 
The Bible tells us that we should have that attitude of gratitude. We should live with that attitude. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So thanksgiving again is not to be only a day, but it's to be an attitude of our hearts. And I want to say this to you, friend. One of the most healthy, fulfilling things you could ever do is to express thanksgiving and express gratitude to God. And the reason I say that, because a thankful heart is a happy heart. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Let me repeat what I said. A thankful heart is a happy heart. It's emotionally and psychologically one of the greatest things you can do to be thankful, to be grateful. I mean, some of the most miserable people in the world, you know why they're miserable? Because they're not grateful. They're not thankful. And the happiest people in the world are those who are thankful. Now, you know, God has given us in the Bible a book that helps us learn to express our praise and thanksgiving to God. And, of course, the book I'm talking about is the book of Psalm. It's, uh, it was the Jewish hymn book. And throughout the book of Psalm, there is chapter after chapter and verse after verse that tells us how to express our thanksgiving to God. As a matter of fact, Psalm 103 has been called the Psalm of Thanksgiving. And as you read this, you're going to notice there's not one word of complaint from the psalmist. There's not one word of selfishness expressed anywhere in this psalm. It's kind of like a stream that starts off rolling and then it turns into a river and and becomes more powerful as it flows onward and onward and upward because he starts with these words, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he says that twice in the first two verses. And then at the end of the chapter, he says it four times in the last three verses. Bless the Lord. It begins by expressing thanksgiving to God. It closes by expressing thanksgiving to God. That's one of the reasons I love this psalm so much. So this morning, folks, I want us to think about this matter of being forever thankful, being eternally grateful to God. And I want to show you some reasons why we can be thankful to God and why we can express thanksgiving to Him. Now maybe you've had a difficult week this past week. Maybe things hadn't gone real well this week. Uh, Maybe the past month, maybe the past year or two, things have not went well. Maybe you've had some type of reversal or some kind of problem or some kind of hardship. I want you to listen real close to me. In spite of all those things, there are many things that you can be thankful to God for this morning. I want to point out verse 1. First of all, we can be thankful to God for who He is. Notice the verse. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. The psalmist begins by talking to himself. He's basically saying, Hey, self, you need to express gratitude. You need to express thanksgiving and praise to God. Soul, you need to thank God for who He is. Now he's talking to himself. I occasionally talk to myself. Anybody else talk to yourself? A few of you? Don't worry about it if you do. It's okay. Actually, it's a sign of intelligence. That's what I tell myself when I talk to myself. It's a sign of intelligence. But here the psalmist is talking to himself. And he's saying, my soul, be thankful to God. 
Bless God. You're going to notice he says, all that's within me, bless his holy name. You know what that means, folks? That means every part of our being ought to be offering thanksgiving and praise to God. That means intellectually. Folks, intellectually, we're to offer and express thanksgiving to God. In our emotions, we should be filled with the emotion of gratitude. Uh, our actions ought to be thanksgiving actions indicating our thanksgiving to God. I mean, thank, thank the Lord. He, the, he, the psalmist is saying, bless the Lord. Bless His holy name. Now notice that phrase. The, His holy name. Now folks, what that means is that expresses everything that God is. So he's talking about the entire person of God. It's all of the attributes of God. He's saying that he is thankful for who God is. When's the last time you just stopped and you were thankful for who God is? Let me explain something to you. What you believe about God will have a great deal to do with how thankful unto God you truly are. I mean, if, if you believe in uh, the God of Genesis 1-1, the in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then you're going to be thankful to God for life and for all of creation itself. Then if you also believe that God is a powerful God who expressed His power by not only creating the world, but by raising from the dead His Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, making it possible for our salvation and our eternal life, that if you believe in that God as well, then that has a great deal to do with how thankful you are to the Lord. I mean, bless the Lord, the psalmist says. Oh, my soul, all that's within me, bless His holy name. Now, I want you to listen to this. Very important. The reason I, I'm hitting on this so hard, if you have a low view of God, you will be an ungrateful person, an unthankful person. If you have a high view of God, you'll be a grateful person. You'll be a thankful person. So let me ask you, what do you think about God? How do you view the person of God? So as we begin the message this morning... Not just by being grateful for what God does for the gifts He gives, but first and foremost, being thankful, being grateful for who God is. So let me ask you again. Have you recently expressed your thanksgiving to God just for the fact that He was God? Have you expressed your thanksgiving to God for the kind of God that He is? I remember reading a story about a preacher who was in his office, in his study at home, Late one Saturday night, he was, he was trying to put some final touches on a sermon that he was preaching the next morning. And as most preachers and pastors are, when they go into the study and shut the door, the rest of the family knows, don't bother Dad, he's busy right now. And about that time, there was a little rap on the door. Preacher said, yes. And his young son come in. And the preacher looked at him, he said, son, what do you want? He said, Daddy, I don't want anything. I just want to be near you and I just want to tell you I love you. That preacher took his glasses off and laid them down, dropped the pen, scooped that little boy up in his arms and hugged him. He said, partner, you can do that anytime you want to, as often as you want to. My friend, listen to me. I'm thankful that we have a God where we can do that same thing. I'm thankful that we have a wonderful God and we can come to Him in those times when we can say, Lord, I don't want anything from you. I just want to be with you. I just want to tell you that I love you. So we bless the Lord. We, we thank the Lord for who He is, His person. But notice verse 2. Beginning in verse 2 and following, we also are thankful unto the Lord for what He does. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget 
not all his benefits. We need to be thankful for God, for the wonderful things that God does for us. We have a tendency to forget sometimes, do we not? Am I the only one in here that's forgetful? And I know some, I, I said, it seems to be getting worse all the time. And, and people say, well, it don't get no better, preacher. As a matter of fact, I always said something like that to me, and I appreciated the encouragement. <clears throat> Sometimes I kind of feel like that absent-minded guy that was going to bed at night, and, and he, he kissed the dog and put his wife outside. <laughs> you know, you heard about the guy went to the psychologist. He said, Doc, I got a problem. Psychologist said, what's the problem? He said, my memory's terrible. I cannot remember anything. Doc said, really? He said, yes, I forget appointments. I forget to schedule appointments, or I don't show up at appointments, or I forget to pick stuff up. I go to the store. He said, my wife will send me to the store, and I go to the store and forget what I'm there for. The doc said, well, it, it seems like you really do have a problem. How long have you been this way? The guy said, how long have I been what way? <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way, folks. And I'm asking you do too. If we're not careful, we can be forgetful. But look at verse 2. The psalmist says, forget not all his benefits. Don't forget how good God has been to you. One translation puts it this way. Never forget the glorious things he's done for you. Think about the wonderful things that God's done for, for you and, and for me. You know, I think about that hymn we, we sing. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. I can think of many, many wonderful things that God has done for me. I'm sure you can as well. But the psalmist gives us some of these things to think about this morning. First of all, we can thank the Lord for saving us from our sins. Notice verse 3 and 4. Look at it again. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases... Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now he's talking about thanking the Lord for salvation from sin. What you have here in these uh, verses are pictures of what sin does in our lives. He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. That picture there is of a sinner who's in prison. He's in bondage. But he says, I'm thankful that God has forgiven me all mine iniquities. Folks, what a joy it is to know that even though, and I'm talking to Christians this morning, those who have given their life to Christ, even though we have been in the bondage of sin, is it not great to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, made it possible for our sins to be forgiven? He forgiveth all thine iniquities. Now let me ask you, have you been forgiven? Are you a forgiven person? We've received Jesus as our Savior. If you have done that, then friend, you've been forgiven of all your sins. What a wonderful blessing. Friend, that's something to be thankful for this morning. Then in verse 3 it says, He heals all thy diseases. That includes physical healing, but I think it also it includes spiritual healing. The diseases of the soul. Do you realize the soul can get diseases just like the physical body can get diseases? Think about it. Think about anger. Think about lust. Think about greed, jealousy, guilt, resentment, bitterness. All the diseases of the soul. And we know, folks, that the emotional diseases can affect the physical body. The body and the soul because they, tend to see, they have a tendency to catch one another's diseases because they live so close together. But the worst disease of all is that soul disease, is the disease of sin. Now if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, the Lord has healed you from those old sinful, soul-sickening diseases. Are you grateful for that? 
Can you thank the Lord you've been forgiven? Do you thank the Lord that you've been healed of that sin disease? Now look at verse 4. It says, who redeems your life from destruction. When we were saved, it meant we had been redeemed. We had been bought back. All right, It means that sin put us in bondage. Sin put us in the pit of despair. Jesus came, died on the cross at Calvary, shed His precious blood to buy us out of that slavery, to bring us out of that pit. He has delivered us. That's what salvation means. It means God has bought us back. That's something to be thankful for. Look what else in verse 4. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. The Lord not only saves us from our sins, but when we're saved, He sets us on the throne. Do you see that, folks? We are now, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, you're a child of God. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means you're a prince or a princess, a king or a queen in the kingdom. When God saves you, He lifts you out of that muck and that mire and that pit of sin. He adopts you. He makes you an heir to the throne. Now, friend, I am forever thankful for salvation. I'm forever thankful for what God has done for me when He saved me. There's that old chorus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy rich salvation so full and so free. I've said this before and I stand by it. There's one thing that every sinner ought to get over and one thing every saint should never get over. Every sinner ought to get over their sins by coming to Christ. And every saint should never, never get over what was paid for their sins. And when they came to Christ, what was given to them. We should never, ever forget to be thankful for the salvation that God gives us. We can be thankful to the Lord because He saves us from our sins. But I want you to notice verse 5. And I want you to stay with me on this next few points here because I'm just going to speak my heart on a couple of things. Notice verse 5. We can be thankful to the Lord because He satisfies us. Look what it says. Who satisfy thy mouth with good things. The actual terminology translation of that means He fills up my mouth with good things. You know, I can't help but reading that verse. I think about Thursday. We were having uh, our Thanksgiving meal with Marsha's folks and, and uh, her brothers and the kids and the family was all there. I had a couple of nephews that were sitting in the dining room after we'd had the meal and the adults were in the kitchen in the living room and there in the dining room I happened to walk by there and a couple of my young nephews were sitting in there and one of them was eating a piece, I think it was chocolate cheesecake, that was bigger than this paper. It would have choked a mule. And he is shoving it in his mouth. I'm not talking about Danielly. I mean, clunk, chunk. And, and he's like this, trying to chew it. And I couldn't help but laugh. I said, Robert, huh? I said, is that good? Uh-huh. Out here, I thought, you know what? That's a happy kid right there. His mouth is filled with good things. Well, let me tell you something, friend. That, that's the way it is with us. Our mouths, our lives have been filled with good things. God has done wonderful things. He has satisfied us with all good things. Now I could think of thousands of things that I'm thankful for. Obviously I don't have time to do that today. You don't have time for that today. But let me just mention a few that I'm thankful to God for today. And perhaps you're thankful too. 
Now, one of the things I'm thankful for is that the Lord lets us have fun in life. The Lord lets us enjoy life. I'm telling you, I, I love that fact. You know, it's like yesterday. I got to spend all day with Rachel. We were deer hunting. Now, she didn't get to shoot a deer, but we got to see some. And, and my back hurts and my hips killing me from sitting for so long, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. God gives us all these good things. He satisfies us with good things to enjoy. I got to spend a day with my daughter that I don't get to see very much. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's two ways you can go through life. You can go through life as a sad sack being gloomy and grumpy, down in the dumps, making yourself and everybody else miserable. Or you can go through life having a good time and enjoying life. I really do believe happiness is a choice. It's a choice. You can choose to be a happy person. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God lets us enjoy life. Some people believe their attitude is that God's like some kind of Scrooge up in heaven and He says, no, don't have any fun. You can't laugh. You can't enjoy life. Don't, don't have any fun down there. But do you realize the Bible tells us that God is the blessed God? You know what that means? He is the happy God. Now, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I believe this. I believe there are times, folks, that God shakes the throne in heaven with His laughter when He sees some of the stuff we do down here. I mean, the Bible says He deals with us as a loving Father deals with children. Now let me ask you parents, has there ever been a time in your kid's life growing up that they've done something that brought you to tears with laughter? And you laughed at your children? You know, Rachel and I was talking about this last night and Marcia was talking about it. I, I thought about it a couple of times with, with my kids. Uh, for instance, never forget, Rachel was a little bitty. The phone rang at the fire station one night. It was for me and Rachel was on the phone. She said, Dad, the refrigerator at the house is broken. Now she's little, maybe four years old. I said, what, baby? She said, refrigerator broke. I said, well, it's okay. I'll, I'll try to fix it when I get home tomorrow. No, Dad, it's bad. What's bad? She said, light won't work. I said, well, all right, we'll put a new bulb in it. No, Dad, it don't work when I shut the door. Marcia caught her in the kitchen doing this. Now, granted, it wasn't last week. She was four years old when... She, she's grown up since then. I thought about another time. Uh, it was Hannah's first Christmas, Christmas play. And she came to me. And i got to tell you something. I've been asked a lot of deep, heavy theological questions over the years. All right? And, and some of them I'm like, whoo, I don't know if I can answer that or not. But she came to me and said, Dad. I said, yes, baby. Where in the Bible does it talk about Harold the angel? I said, pardon me? She said, you know Harold the angel. I said, no, baby, I don't believe I've ever read anything about Harold. She said, you know the song, Hark, Harold the Angel Sings. You know, I told Rachel, I said, I can just imagine that God in heaven at that time, he looked over at Gabriel and said, hey, buddy, from now on your nickname's Harold. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I believe God has a sense of humor. Jesus Christ had a sense of humor. You say, how do you know that? Study the New Testament. Read some of the things that Jesus said. You can't come away from it with anything other than, yeah, He had a sense of humor. I'm thankful God lets us have fun and enjoy life. Are you thankful for that? You thankful for laughter? 
I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for is food. You say, yeah, I pray you understand that. No, you're not listening to me. Have you ever thought about how wonderful food is? Now I realize food's a necessity. we got to have it to keep this machine, uh, this body going. But have you ever thought about the fact, folks, how wonderful a thing it is that God not only gives us food, He gives us the ability to enjoy food. Have you thanked God for your taste buds lately? Have you thanked God for your teeth? What would you do with a porterhouse steak if you didn't have any teeth? I couldn't eat it out of a blender, I'm sorry. You know, it reminds me, I know y'all heard the story, the, the, the hillbilly woman up in the hills of Appalachia at a testimony meeting. She got up and said, I, I'm, I want everybody to know I'm thankful for my teeth. Her friend sitting there with her said, you ain't got but two teeth in your whole head. She said, well, I got one on top, one on the bottom, but I thank God they meet in the middle. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's something else I'm thankful for, folks. I'm thankful for my family. Are you thankful for yours? Is it not wonderful to have families? I mean, isn't it wonderful that God designed the family? If you really want to know how a family is to function, go to the Word of God. You really want to know how a family is to react and act and how a family is supposed to be, then go to the book that God wrote that tells you all about the family. I'm grateful to the Lord for a Christian family. My brother called me uh, Thursday morning to tell me Happy Thanksgiving. And we got to talking about the family we grew up in and those holiday traditions that we all have. Now, my brother and I, our folks, of course, they're in glory. They're in heaven now. Both of them have gone to, to be with Jesus since I've been your pastor. And Danny and I was talking about that and how thankful we was to grow up in a Christian family. You know, years ago, Marcia and I, about 35 years ago, we decided at a young age, we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to raise our family in a Christian home that follows Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for the wife that I have. The godly Christian mother, Christian wife, Christian sister, and daughter, and daughter-in-law that she is. My wife's not with me today. Why? Because she's taking care of her invalid mom because her dad's sick. I thank God for the example she sets for our kids. I'm thankful that Marsh and I have had four wonderful daughters. I'm thankful that all four of them know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm thankful I've had the privilege of baptizing all four of my kids. Folks, I'm thankful for Christian family. And let me tell you something. I realize God, God pointed out to me one more, once again yesterday, one more time, how blessed of a man I truly am. Now I want to tell you something, friend. You're blessed. If you've got a Christian family, if around this holiday season you've got your family together around the table, or you can call them on the phone and exchange greetings with one another and let each other know how much you love and care for one another, then oh friend, you've got a lot to be thankful for. You need to say like the psalmist, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm eternally thankful to God for family. I'm also thankful to God for my spiritual family, for my church. I mean, I was thinking about this a while ago. Folks, what a wonderful testimony those two children, those little girls gave by being baptized. And once again, I thank God for the fact that I'm involved with a church and a church family where we see things like that happen. Now you may not know this, but there are some churches out there that month after month, year after year, nobody gets saved. Nobody's baptized. 
You say, does that happen? Absolutely it happens. And I think what a wonderful thing it is to be part of a fellowship where people are being saved. Adults, teenagers, children, where people serve God, where they're excited about coming to church, where there's some joy and there's some thrill. I'm going to tell you something. If I belonged to a dead church, I'd get out of it. I'd find me a church had a little bit of life and a little bit of fire in it. Now maybe you're here today, you're a member of another church, and I'm describing the church you're a member of. Now some people may take offense with this. I'm sharing my heart. I'm going to be honest with you. If you come from one of them dead churches, you need to get away from that. You need to come to Southside. You need to come to church got a little life, a little bit of fire in it. Where God's Word is preached and taught and revered and lived and where the people love each other and reach out to others. You know, I've had people... I say, why don't you come and, and, and join Southside? And they'll say something like this. Well, preacher... You know, I, I would, but I can't join there because I, I belong back up there in Pig's Knuckle, Arkansas. First Baptist Church of Pig's Knuckle. You know, my grandma was buried in that cemetery up yonder, and I just couldn't leave grandma. Trust me, your grandma won't care. Matter of fact, your grandma will probably be happy that you left there and you came to a church where there was some life and fire that loved Jesus. Friend, I just want to thank God for satisfying me with all these good things in life. We thank the Lord for saving us from our sins. We can thank the Lord for satisfying us with good things, but we also thank the Lord for surrounding us with His mercy. I want you to notice right in the middle, look at verse 8. All of a sudden, he starts talking about the mercy of God. He says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Grace and mercy, they go together, friend. Hand in hand together. Listen, grace means that God gives us what we don't deserve. When God saves us, it's by His grace. For by grace we are saved. Through faith, grace means that God gives you and I what we do not deserve. Because let me tell you the truth, friend. The truth is, you and I, we don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to go to God's wonderful heaven. But grace makes it possible. Grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. But I want you to know this mercy. That means that God gives us, He, he doesn't give us what we do deserve. Grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy, God doesn't give us what we do deserve. Now, I told you this before, this day and age we're living in, it amazes me. People are clamoring and crying and whining and carrying on about their rights. I want my rights. I demand my rights. You know, you can be an illegal alien and still demand rights from America, apparently. Everybody wants their rights. Let me make something clear to you. I don't want my rights. Because if I got my rights, I'd spend eternity in hell. I don't want my rights. I want grace. And I want mercy. It says the Lord is plenteous in mercy in verse 8. And then look at verse 10. He's not dealt with us after our sins. That's mercy. Oh, thank God for His mercy. Amen? I want you to look at verse 11. Now the psalmist tries to measure God's mercy. He says, verse 11, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. Now he's trying to measure God's mercy vertically. You know, it's said that with certain high-powered telescopes they have today, that they can look off into outer space, and they can actually see stars that are 200 million light years away. 200 million light years. You know how far a light year is? A light year is the time or is the, the amount of distance that light will travel in one Earth's year, in one year here on Earth. There are 5.9 trillion miles 
and the light year. Now, I don't know how many zeros there. That's way far beyond what I can calculate. But friend, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that's way out there. And you know what the psalmist is saying? He's saying right here in this verse, you take a spot here on earth and you start going up. Go on up out of the atmosphere and the stratosphere, past the clouds, past the sun, past the moon, past the planets, way past the farthest distant star. And he said, God's mercy is higher still. That's what he's telling us. But he gets even better than that. Look at verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, have you ever wondered, why didn't he say as far as the north is from the south? Because if you start going south, pretty soon you're going to hit the south pole. And then you're going to cross the south pole, and guess what? You're coming back north. But going west, as long as you're going west, you're never going to go east. You're never going to arrive. And if you say, well, I'm going to turn around and go east, and then I'll catch west. No. If you go east, you're never going to arrive. What the psalmist is saying is, until you find how far it is from the east to the west, you'll never fully understand how magnificent, how glorious God's mercy truly is. I'm thankful for that kind of mercy, aren't you? Bless the Lord for who He is, His person. We praise the Lord and thank the Lord for what He does, His provision. But also, look at verse 19, and I'm closing here. We thank the Lord for where He dwells. Verse 19 says, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Folks, let me tell you, I'm thankful for where God dwells. He dwells on His throne. The Lord is on His throne. I'm thankful today for that. I'm thankful the Lord is in charge. That's what that verse is saying. Plain and simple. God is king. God is in control and in charge. The throne. You know what? In the book of Revelation... In chapters 4 and 5, the throne is mentioned 17 times. 17 times. Now keep in mind, John was on the island of Patmos because he was exiled. He was living in a day where the earth was shaken, where things were coming undone. He was living in a time where the Roman Empire was ruled by viciousness, by cruelty, and by violence. It was a shaky time politically. It was a, a terrible time economically in the world. And here's John exiled on the island of Patmos. And God gives him a vision of the throne in heaven. Why do you think he did that? Well, I think he was giving it to John and thereby giving it to the rest of us to let us know, hey, don't worry about how bad things get down there on earth. My throne's still established. I'm still in control. You say, and I know this, folks, sometimes we question that. We wonder, don't we? When things happen down here on this earth, we wonder, we want to question whether the Lord is on His throne. Well, I want to tell you something. By the authority of God's Word, I'll give you the truth today, friend. You and I can be thankful for where God dwells, for His kingdom rules over all. God's in charge. How's that old hymn go? Have faith in God, He's on His throne. Have faith in God, He watches over His own. He cannot fail, He must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. I love this psalm. Again, it starts with bless the Lord. It ends in verse 22 with bless the Lord. And if you notice verses 20 through 22, the psalmist David, he calls for all creation, all creatures of the earth and the sky to join together in a thanksgiving service unto the Lord. It's almost like it's an unending cycle of thanksgiving, gratitude, and praise to God. It's kind of like a song in the round. You know, a song that never ends. 
It just keeps going and going. What he's saying is Thanksgiving is something that's going to be an eternal enterprise. Thanksgiving, folks, is going to be an eternal activity. So let me tell you, Christian, listen to me. 10,000 years from today, you and I are still going to be saying, Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm told that when Jews come back to their homeland, back to Israel, if they have been gone for quite a few years, or maybe they've never been there, and they're, they're coming back to become a citizen of Israel, what they do is they send them to a six-month language school so they can learn to speak Hebrew again or learn for the first time to speak Hebrew. Now I want you to think about something. I thought about this going over this message. I thought, Lord, is that the way it's going to be with some of us when we get to heaven? We're going to have to go back to school to learn the language of heaven, which is Thanksgiving. We're going to have to go back and get a tune-up so we'll be able to join in with all the creation to give thanksgiving and eternal praise to you. Now, friend, I don't know about you, but I want to start right now for the rest of eternity giving God the praise and the thanks that's due Him. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I want to do it right now. And let me say this to you. In fact, there's no time like the present to begin living with that attitude of gratitude with a soul that is forever thankful. How thankful are you today? I want you to remember one thing. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. How thankful you are depends on your view of God. Who God is. What God has done. Where God dwells. Do you bow your heads, please? Brother, always going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. Maybe you need to come and just kneel here at the altar and pray this morning. Ask God to give you a thankful heart again. Ask God to remove anything between you and Him and your relationship that would cause you to not be thankful. Oh, friend, do you realize, and I would say that, that if anybody has the right and the responsibility to be grateful and thankful as Christians, but I want to say this. I want to say this. If anybody actually, the only people who have the right to be deliriously joyful and thankful to God are Christians, are God's children. Friend, He saved you from eternity in hell. He saved you from all your sin, all your iniquity. He brought you up out of the pit. Where would you be without God's grace and God's mercy? How long since you just told God how thankful you really are? You say, you don't know how bad my life's been at times, preacher. No, but God does. And God continues to bless you. You say, I don't see God's blessings. Then you're not looking for God's blessings. I've told you many times, the next breath you take, the next beat of your heart, that's a blessing from God. Friend, for you to quit breathing, quit living, God doesn't have to take your life. He just has to quit giving it to you. If anybody ought to be thankful, it ought to be us. It ought to be this church, more specifically. God's blessed us in more ways than we can count. Father, I thank you for your grace, for your blessings.
And I just want to thank you with all of me, all of my being. I want to praise you, Father, for who you are. First and foremost, for who you are. And just thank you. And then I want to praise you for the blessings and all the benefits that you've given. And then I want to praise you and thank you for reminding me that it doesn't matter what happens down here. It doesn't change the fact that you're still God. You're still in control. Father, I pray for those that need to make a decision this morning. Maybe they need to have established that relationship with you by surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe they need to come and just on their knees offer thanksgiving to you. Or Father, maybe there are those here that need to come and join this church. I pray that they'd be willing to be obedient to whatever direction that you're leading. In Christ's name, amen. You stand, please. I ask everybody to bow their head for just a moment as Teresa continues to play. God's dealing with folks this morning. I want to ask you one more time. Do you have anything to be thankful for? There's not a person in this room who has a right to not be thankful, to not express gratitude to God for all of His benefits. We're going to sing through another verse. And as always, if nobody else comes, 
we'll close the invitation. I don't know what decision you need to make, but this is your time to make it right now. Brother Alden. Man, folks, hope to see you tonight at 6 o'clock for our regular evening service. Brother Paul Mode, would you dismiss us, sir?